Hey, hey! Welcome to Bonus Barrel! with me is seiji yeah just us no one no one cares about the games we want to play <laughs> that might be so <laughs> yeah we're, we're like the skeleton crew or the or the people who just refuse to leave if, if we were terrace house we would be the original uh, uh housemates oh yeah right right mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> people wouldn't know this but i've been oh i, know I mentioned it last time but i'm pretty obsessed with that that show now so uh, check it out. <laughs> How would you explain Terrace House? It's like a, I saw an article that summed it up decently. It's like a reality show for people who hate reality shows mm-hmm. because it doesn't, at least I can only speak from the very first season from 2014, 2012, to 2014, and the most recent season that's airing on Netflix now. Uh, so in the past, I actually kind of hate reality shows, but I started watching a few while high to see if uh, they would be funny to me. And, and they were, I've watched, I watched a few and, and I didn't, I, I liked the circle, but I didn't really like any of the other ones I tried. But so one night I was like, ah, I feel like something trashy. Like usually we watch Yu-Gi-Oh! That's because <laughs> the dub is so bad. Uh, so that's pretty fun. But uh, we're I was like, let's throw this on. And then by like the third episode, I was like this is really interesting and I want to keep watching it. So, yeah. So basically it's like six people, three men, three women who get a really, really, really nice house and cars to live in for free. Uh, but they're recorded most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but that's it. Like, there's no, as far as I could tell, there's like not much prompting or like there's no talking head sequences where you see like a producer kind of like, oh, what did so and so say to you? And like, ah, I think of this about so and so. It's driven mostly, it's driven completely by the people who live there. Um, and then there's also a kind of a panel of hosts that are fucking hilarious. Uh, and they just kind of comment uh like almost like there's breaks in between certain scenes and they'll kind of comment on things and make observations and it's pretty funny uh it's japanese show too um so the sensibilities are are quite a bit different than what you might see in in a western um reality show so there's that there's that's a whole other layer of it too like just the things that we would do so from a cultural perspective it's actually really interesting to watch because there are things that are that we would do that they wouldn't and the other way around. And sometimes you're like, why don't they just do X? Mm-hmm. And then you'll realize that's because they don't usually do X over there. So, yeah, so from that perspective, it's it's a very interesting show. Yeah, like you said, like I, I feel like the main difference between something like Big Brother or mm. some other reality shows of this kind where you, they, they have people living in a house... It's that thing that you said, there's no interaction between like the production and the people living there. Mm. And the other is like, it's not a contest either. Yeah, there's so, no, there's no prize. You just uh-huh. live there. It's really, it's really po- people probably go largely for exposure. And uh, some people will go for the idea of romance. In, in the first season, one person there just because she said she never had friends before because of the way she grew up in her life. So she just wanted to try making friends. And uh, yeah. So there, there are all kinds of just, that's the other thing. That's the other thing about it. So a lot of reality shows, I, I, granted, I have not watched any. I've never seen Big Brother or anything like that before. But it's usually really, really uh, 
uh, like beautiful people there to, to to fuck or win money. And this one, the people seem kind of relatable. Some of them have really cool careers. Don't get me wrong, but like in the end of the day, they're just kind of regular ass people, and you can relate to them. I think. And they're all trying to push each other usually to get better at their careers and support each other. And obviously some people are like, uh, are into each other. So there's lots of like crushes and stuff, but, but it doesn't really take it that far. It's like, there's no sex on the show or anything. Like there's been a little bit of like kissing in some seasons, but they don't really show anything like that. I know I'm pretty sure like big brother and Jersey shore kind of go like they want the people living there to do that shit. So they're prompt that stuff or they prompt drama and fights, but any any of that stuff comes it comes kind of comes naturally, and it's usually over shit that you might relate to if you've had roommates. Like, no one's cleaning this house. We really got to clean this fucking place. So one person will be like, "Hey, I've noticed that this, 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 and this." And it's really funny because you're like, "Oh shit, this new person came in and they're and they're calling them out on being slobs." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, I can I understand that." <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It it sounds boring, but it's just fun. You get wrapped up. You you get interested, and you you start rooting for people. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. I don't know. Oh, also, if you're a weeb trash bag piece of shit like me, you'll probably like it more too. Do you like the Western reality shows of this kind? Uh, I've never watched Big Brother or anything like that. But uh-huh. my my thought is probably not. Like the reason why I I like unironically liked the Circle was because again they felt like regular people um, who were trying to win. They were trying to win a contest, mind you, but they didn't they didn't feel like they're act they're casting people who want to be actors and stuff like. The impression I've gotten from Jersey Shore and stuff. I did try. I did try one on Netflix. The new one that came out was like too hot to handle, and I, I can only last five minutes of that show. It was so stupid. Mm-hmm. That was the one where they're like not allowed to have any into like they're basically baiting them into being hot, turned on all the time, but they're not allowed to touch each other or or huh. bone. If they bone, they lose money. I'm like, I can't. This is so stupid. Yeah. So if, if they're like that, then I probably don't like them very much. But even the way it's it's edited, like the music, yes. the, the the kinds of cuts. And everything, it, it's like it's produced, it, it's polished, I'll use that word, to to be garbage. You know what I mean? Like garbage yeah, TV. Yeah. Right? They want drama. They, they want drama to erupt. So like I've, I've listened to people talk about, at least for Western ones, behind the scenes. And we could be ignorant. Maybe it's similar like that over there, but it doesn't feel that way. But um, we, yeah, like this, this is how the like, producers will try to prompt them like to say certain things like during those talking head scenes to be like oh but don't you have any feelings on what this person said specifically and trying to get those those specific reactions out and so i feel like it's kind of manufactured drama and whereas i feel like terrace house is kind of like natural drama when it does when it does occur which again you can go entire episodes where everybody's just getting along and then a lot of the humor comes from the host like my favorite host is uh i think his name is uh, yama sato yama something like that Yamachan is what he goes by, at least. Mm. Uh, he's he's the one with the glasses, and he's such a dick, and he's constantly rooting against everyone, and he's 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 really funny. So <laughs> I really enjoy really enjoy that. I don't usually like hosts and stuff like this. I'm like I just want to see the show, get it to here, but I I really like the host, Terrace House. So that helps a lot. Yeah. But they never interact with the cast, so it's it's interesting. So they're just basically just viewers watching it. It's almost like a reaction video, which I which I usually don't like, but in this case, it's fine. Here's a thought, right? Here in, in, in like Canada and in, also in the States, maybe mm-hmm. mostly in the States, like something like McDonald's or, or one of those like fast food chains are like some of the cheapest options that there are around, right? You wouldn't think of some of these places as like the furthest from fancy, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and and this is what I'm saying about uh, like reality shows in in here they're in McDonald's. North America, right? That they're, they're yeah. made to be like that. Right, like, of course. Like, so people want like cheap, quick, just for masses. But if yeah. you go like um, even in Mexico, also this is the case. In Japan, it's also the case that I noticed. Like mm. a McDonald's restaurant is. It's not like it's it's not the cheapest option, and they're kind of nice. Are they? Really? I, I've obviously never been to one, but you have, right? Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting a right. uh, uh, thing, right? They're, Fascinating because they're they're options locally that are much cheaper. Mm. So you go to McDonald's for the novelty. Of, I guess, yeah, of that North American experience, right? So they right. They, they, they tend to be much nicer. So they kind of like or McDonald's. They're kind of like Chinese food restaurants here. You know, semi nice. Like they kind of look like rest, like regular restaurants, but the food is still pretty affordable, pretty cheap. Kind of uh, 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 catered a bit towards North America because you know how they always say like Chinese food, Chinese restaurants are really North American Chinese food restaurants as opposed to actual Chinese food restaurants. You know Dude, what I mean? Unless you go with with someone who is Chinese. Yeah, and then they'll give you the real menu. A real menu. I've I've seen the real menu before. With <laughs> and the food pork. is the food is for real. Anyway, that's not the point here. Um, <laughs> and it's not like the food is much nicer. It's just the general experience of going of, to one of these places. It's much nicer. You think a lot of foreigners go to them though for the comfort and and familiarity of of McDonald's? Not really. I didn't see that. There's locals that they just want to have a hamburger because a, a a burger is something that is foreign. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. It's American food. It's from some some other place. And well, in Japan, seen... something that happens is that McDonald's are used like like Starbucks here. Like people go to work. Oh, really? Just hang out there use and their like computer charge their yeah. Oh their, wow. Their devices and stuff, and they they go and have like a coffee and they sit there and talk. It's interesting. They have like uh, definitely have different menus, don't they? Have like like stuff that's kind of inspired by local things. Like there's more seafood options, and, and I thought I saw a menu at McDonald's once and being like, oh, those, oh, those the menu's some... much better. Yeah, it's amazing. Like the... <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's in Japan is kind of cool. Yeah. So the parallel I'm drawing here is <laughs> right. Is that maybe those kinds of shows like they mm. they edit them differently because I don't know they they think they're something nicer than what the purpose is here in North America. I don't know. Something like that. So here's a, here's an interesting thing from this year to last year. And I don't think this necessarily has to do with, with COVID-19 either. But uh, so E3 was more or less canceled this year. But I, I kind of don't care. What happened to me? Why don't I care? I feel the same. <laughs> I feel the I same, like, man. I'm like that's cool i mean I, my love for games hasn't hasn't diminished i love video games and i play them all the time and i'm inspired by them but like and e3 used to be a thing i got really hyped for i mean bonus barrel has been going on for five years now and our, our first few years was like an exciting time for all of us like yeah e3 we could talk about this shit and then like over last year even last year like just kind of like sending messages here and there but like we didn't really care that, <laughs> care that much i think that the first two years like we were pretty excited Mm. I I felt like everyone else was also pretty excited. The, I think yeah, I they think were so. like good times. I was pretty into the Wii U and <laughs> yeah. What do you think it was? 
Because I even when E3 was going on still, like last year, maybe the year before, mm. I just couldn't care. Now, do you think it has to do anything with being the same generation and the actual generation was like lacking in excitement somehow? I don't think it's an age thing. Like I still have all the same interests that I always do. I'm like I'm not growing, quote unquote, growing at the games or, or or anything like that. I I love game. Like my, the most fun I had with the game was just like last month with Final Fantasy VII. And so I'm like I'm still there. Um, I don't know what it is about. I don't know. I I, I can't even. I, I think it did start with with people with companies starting to drop a little bit from it. That didn't like when Nintendo kind of stopped, and then I think Sony wasn't going to do this year. So that that didn't help. Part of it is that the, the the actual people that should have a large presence in in E3, they just kind of mm. stop caring. Like even Nintendo, like there was this one year where they just took one game. Yeah. Outside of E3, do you still get excited about a bunch of announcements? Uh, if a Nintendo Direct's coming, as long as I'm not blindsided by it, I do get excited about those. And and when they're not one game like if the one for just animal crossing because of my lack of interest in animal crossing i didn't really care but if nintendo does one around the time we're like oh we're gonna show a bunch of new games then yeah i, I can feel that excitement but, mm -hmm. but that's pretty much it like even when i think of like sony which i do like and stuff i don't really get that same feeling i think that even some of the games that got announced on the first d3 that that was within the bonus barrel window mm. which was 2015 right I believe. Yep. Even some of those games got released kind of recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? Final Fantasy was one of the, one of the ones that was announced and I blew up over, and now it finally came out. And there was Kingdom Hearts three, Glass Guardian. Uh, I guess we're still waiting on the Last of Us two, but I, I that's been so long now. I just don't really care either. Like when it comes out, I'll buy it and I'll be excited about it. But like, I can only talk about the stuff from Nintendo. Yeah even stuff that they announced two three years ago like we're still waiting for some kind of news right so that initial excitement of like hey there's here's the next big thing which is one gets to uh be excited the most mm. like metroid yeah Bionetta. i still haven't heard anything about, about the sequel things. for uh breath of the wild which was a year ago or more yeah we don't hear anything else about them so you just kind of like bleh. Like, so how can you have like a yearly show or a yearly cycle of announcements when a lot of it, a lot of that content is recycled and over time, right? Yeah, yeah. They either just don't mention it or they post. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think I think that we as an audience we 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 became and this is in general. I don't think I don't think it's the age. Mm. I think it's something within the whole audience that we became kind of jaded. Yeah, that could be it. We expect to either see a new trailer for a game we've been waiting for forever, and that's usually all we get, or they show a new trailer for a new game that might come out in like six years. So say your your favorite company comes and announces something really big, mm. and you're going to be excited about it, but in the back of, of, of your mind, aren't you going to think like, hey, hey, what about this other thing? No? Yeah. No, I think I, I know what you mean. Unless it's Pikmin. Well, I was thinking we could be like Seiji and just keep predicting that a game will come out that year, and then it doesn't come out for four more years. Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna be pretty excited when 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 Pikmin comes out finally. Pikmin five. Pikmin, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter, even if it's a remake of the first. We're gonna game. get a. a hey I just need a Pikmin on the on the Switch, man. We're gonna get Heya Pikmin too. Heya Pikmin mm -hmm. for Switch. <laughs> this is, 
<laughs> or those port the port hey pikmin it's like hey pikmin we're back and then and then that's on the switch and you can play it all over again all right should we go to the topic unless you have some other let's do it let's do it come in week's game is celeste yes a game that i had abandoned actually and thought i would never go back to tell me about it well um so i ages ago during all the super meat boy hype i thought i want to play super meat boy everybody loves it and i didn't like it and celeste and super meat boy i think share some similarities uh it's one of those platforming games where you basically are on a screen and thankfully your regeneration points at the entrance point of that screen and you're expected to die a fuck ton as you figure out the mechanics of actually making it through safely to the other screen. And I guess I don't really like those games that much. <laughs> they're, they're really difficult. Um, but so Celeste did a lot of hype going into it. And I really so I'm like, I really want to play this game. So I, I bought it. And I got to the third world the third level, which was the library, and I guess I was getting confused or Maybe I didn't really have a good grasp of the game, or maybe my heart wasn't in, in it when I was playing it uh, at first. I didn't really, I wasn't invested. I think I picked it up after playing like uh, Iconoclast or something, and I just felt like another platformer. Not really concerned about a story, just wanted to play through. And I don't know, somewhere along the way, I just stopped wanting to play it. So I stopped <laughs> and didn't go back to it and didn't think I would for about a year, a year and a half maybe. And then you want to do it for the show. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I've already played enough to talk about it but then you started going mm-hmm. on a bit more about it i'm like all right i guess i'll get back to it and then i forced myself to beat it and um overall i definitely enjoyed the game although I, of course i have opinions on that uh but yeah uh-huh. that was that was my first first foray into uh playing celeste and you got it for the switch yes. from the beginning i actually own it mm. twice now because i because I, I think at some point limited run had a copy of or had a run of it so i actually did purchase it physically but i, oh, I played it okay. digitally yeah yeah so like this game initially like i was drawn to the to the art style because mm. i like that pixely kind of thing yeah. and um but then like people started talking about the the subtext of the game you're gonna have to explain story to i didn't read any but i didn't read about any of the subtext. i know we'll get to it and and that was a reason why when you told me about some of that that's kind of why i picked it back up to play for the show i figure you asked me about the story and at that point i was like well a i didn't really remember because it was a while back and i also wasn't invested so i'm like i can't talk anything about the story but like oh you should play more or whatever so that you can see more of the story and like that's why i started playing it more because of, of uh of your recommendation which i guess comes from a lot of people saying that there is a subtext of of uh, yeah so it, there's a lot of people praising it for its approach to mental health and, and issues like that right so like initially, I was just interested in the game 
mechanics, I guess, mm-hmm. and the and the art style. But then uh, I think it also got uh, either nominated or it won an award in the Games Award about that category they had for like games with purpose or something like that. I have yeah, I definitely have thoughts on that and which important. And I was like, what? It doesn't seem like it, right? Yeah, so I was I... interesting in 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 those two things. But I never uh, uh, made the effort to buy it or look for it. Yeah. So these days, like if something uh, pops up in the shop and it's on sale, mm. I'll try to get it. Yeah, I usually do too. There's so many sales that I got. I got a lot of games on my Switch. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I got Celeste for like less than five bucks. That's a damn good right? deal. I got it. Started playing it, and because I, I the the uh, the game that I was playing before this one uh, was uh, Hollow Knight. All right. Mm-hmm. And Hollow Knight has some some elements that are similar to Celeste in, sure. the, in the sense that it's a, a 2D kind of platformer. There there's some platforming in there, and then there's dashing in mid air and stuff like that. Yeah. But the buttons are located in very different locations, and I don't know about you, but I don't like changing button configurations preemptively. In my mind, it's like okay, so the devs put the buttons in these places because there's probably gonna be some sort of a layer of mechanics, mm-hmm. and probably one button that is for something in the future, like some right now doesn't have a, a purpose, but maybe later it will. So I, I'm I'm thinking all these crazy things, and I'm like I'm just gonna try to play this game as intended, right? Yeah. But I was so annoyed that of of the button configuration because the, the dash is in a weird button, mm-hmm. and then next week. We're going to talk about Cuphead, and then the dash button is, is a different button. <laughs> so it wasn't until, it's just real quick about Cuphead, the second island is when I realized I should really fucking change these button configurations around, because I could not, it was it was becoming very difficult, and when I finally switched the buttons up, I was able to play a lot better. And then Cuphead, I can't remember if I switched them for Celeste or not, um, but, because Celeste only has like really two buttons that you need to worry about. Maybe three. It's been again. I don't quite remember exactly. There's like your jump and your dash, and and then of course you're clinging to the surface, like your uh-huh. your ZL or ZR buttons. So how far did you get in Celeste? Yeah, uh, I got the credits, so I did not do the extra stages. So you got to the to the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Once those credits oh, okay. came, I'm like, cool. I'm done with this because I honestly, uh, this is a note I had. Uh, on my the notes, but I think the I think the game is a bit too long. I think kind of overstays its welcome a little bit. I just I get tired playing it, man. I get tired yeah. dying in a stage, you know, 10, 15, 20 times, sometimes more. And I'm just like I'm just like oh, I don't want to die anymore, but I gotta progress. And then uh-huh. and they're like oh no not another level. And it's like the game is good. Like I don't want any complaints I have coming up will be about the amount of time I spent playing a game and my own mentality towards it. But like, as far as like controls and mechanics and stuff goes, which I guess we should talk about. Uh, but those, those are like tight. There's no issues there. When you die, it's generally because you don't know what you're doing yet or because you fucked up. Um, it's, you know, has kind of that old school feel to it, but, but I, I just, it's tiring. I find, uh, but yeah, yeah, I guess to sum it up, you're climbing a mountain and you're going through various areas in a mountain so or biomes or whatever you want to call it you have a dash well you have your, you have your, your regular controls you can move up and down left and right uh you can uh jump of course so and when you hit a wall you can hit one of the shoulder buttons to climb you have a slight stamina meter so while you're climbing 
you, uh, you you can only climb for climb and cling for like a few seconds, and then you have a dash, and eventually you have two dashes. Uh, and basically, dash is almost like a double jump. You can hit the direction you want to go, and then you'll kind of jump farther. And you don't really get any upgrades with the exception of the extra jump. And all the other mechanics through the game that you might consider power-ups in other games are through the environment. Like, you know, different ways to navigate the environment are introduced in each level. So there's like uh, these weird balls you can jump into and they'll fire you off in the direction that you push or things that you can bounce off of or you have to use momentum from a moving pillar to jump farther. All this stuff. And, you know, there's like spikes everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you go, there are spikes and pits and, and little, little gaps of safety that you have to navigate through. on January 25th, 2018 for a bunch of, of platforms, it seems, from Linux, Mac OS, Windows, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, it, it seems like in the same day. So that's pretty cool. Um, it was made by a company, I guess, called Matt Makes Games. They're all named Matt. There's 20 of them. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. I think it, it started just with this guy, Matt Thorson. No, what? It's all Matt. He was making games, small games, bunch of little games and then I think that he, this is his biggest one and I think uh, there's mention in, in his webpage that, that that moniker doesn't really make sense anymore because it's, now it's a proper like team. Right. But some of the main people in in the development of Celeste is, well, Matt Thorson is a director, designer, programmer. There's another programmer called Noel Berry. Mm. And the art lead, I guess, is Amora Bettany. Mm. And the composer will be Lena Rain. Now I think they go by Extremely Okay Games. Mm -hmm. I think that's their like the current name. Right. Uh, something interesting that I didn't notice, but I did notice that there was a lot of Canadian references. Like there was postcards and stuff like that with postage with the uh, the Canadian flag on it. Did you notice that? I remember Canada being mentioned. <laughs> yeah, there was also mentioned, and, and well, it turns out that there's an actual mountain called Celeste. Oh, wow. It's in Vancouver Island, not too far from where I... Are live. you going to climb it? Uh, I Now I, I feel to. like I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's interesting. So cool, it, I didn't it, know that. It turns out that the, the story is set in around here. Can you explain the story a little bit to me? Because uh, I forget the beginning. Yeah, I don't know if there's like an actual like narrative in terms of like a, this is like a character that goes it just it kind of like stuff happens it's happening though right like it's not yeah the so, game's not a metaphor it's happening okay i thought so yeah so the protagonist who is called madeline she goes to this mountain right yeah. and you you can actually see her car right and initially uh you encounter this old lady and you tell her that you want to climb the mountain she says that the mountain is kind of weird that she's gonna that the mountain is gonna bring some something out from her and whatever right right 
this point you you don't really know much other than she's just like a girl from from the city trying to get away from her like boring job or whatever mm. she has an office job i think i thought she was a kid for the longest time because yeah she, yeah it looks a little bit a little kawaii compared to the other ones and i, and I say that kawaii but no she she might be like 20 something or or older because later on, when she encounters uh, the guy named uh, Theo. Theo, he's a millennial through and through. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and then um, they had a conversation in the in the lines of like, "What do you do for coping?" Mm. Right? She says that she drinks. Yes, I remember that too. I was like, "Oh, I guess she's an adult, but she still looks super young." But that's just the art style. Yeah. So, so little by little, like what what happens is that you start uh, knowing these characters. Uh, the the dialogue system is is one that. When you talk once to the character, you get like some information. And then if you keep talking to those uh, characters, even though the dialogue ended, it doesn't repeat the same dialogue. It continues, mm. right? There might be like even like 10 parts of the same dialogue, oh, which wow. is pretty interesting. So you get more and more of, of the relationship of these characters and information about them and stuff like that. Right. I think Theo is from Seattle. Mm. And... Madeline would be from Vancouver. Pretty cool. That is cool. Local girl. Vancouver gal. Okay, so so you're Madeline. You're like, I'm going to climb this mountain for X reason. And then she meets Theo on the way. And, and then she's climbing a mountain. And where she, then she meets a ghost. That's how I remember it. That's my, that's my first part of the game. And I guess what happens is that you start... As, as you encounter Theo and you have these conversations with, with Theo... Right, you you get to know the character and why she's doing what she's doing, right? Why she's going on these climbs. She's not a climber; she just thinks that she must, uh, she should do that because right. it's something that that she could do, I guess, because she has like mad jumping abilities. She does, yeah, mad jumping and climbing with no gear abilities. Yeah, it doesn't seem like all the other characters have the same jumping ability, so <laughs> it must be pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine you have like like an office job and you have this like double jump thing? Yeah, and it's just... you can dash and break through things or, or jump really far. Or, you know, you're, you're able to jump 20, 30, 40 feet in the air and not break your legs or arms when you land against the wall. Like what are yeah. you doing in that office job? She should be in the Olympics. But, but I guess that she gets some some bad rep from it or something. Maybe it's people that she, she's like, oh, what a loser. Yeah, like, <laughs> double jumping. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like she's showing off constantly, right? She'll like double jump into a meeting or dash through and dash through a door. Like, hey guys. Or like, oh my fucking God. Like, can you, uh -huh. can you just do your work? Can you just focus on the reports? And, but she won't. She gets antsy. So she wants to leave and climb a mountain. She's like, I'll show them. I'll climb this mountain. That's full of uh, mirror temples and, and uh, forsaken cities and a resort. I'm going to climb this mountain and I'll show them. I'll get up to that top of the mountain and I'll write the best report ever. And that's the story of of, of, uh, of Celeste. And initially, when I was playing the game, I was having a lot of fun with just the mechanics and the collectibles and such. But as I was going through it, I was a little bit more interested in what happens to this character. Which is something that surprised myself because I tend to 
Not like that. You hate story. You hate any story, any dialogue. You want everything. But it didn't feel artificial in this game because the no, the, the mountain then becomes some, some sort of a like an allegory, I guess. But uh, the, and this is why I wanted to talk to you about these kinds of things because I don't feel like I have those kinds of feelings where something feels as big as a mountain, like uh, like fighting against yourself and like uh, having these conversations with with some part of you yeah, no. and something that is holding you down or that makes you feel like down and, and oh yeah these uh, kinds of things i absolutely relate to all that i think i've said on the show before but like i have i have like ocd and uh, generalized anxiety disorder uh something i've struggled with for most of my life and so there are definitely some parts of the game that i can relate to uh other parts maybe less so like i don't know like i've, I've definitely in my life have tried having quote unquote conversations with that part of myself but it's still you in the end you can't you can't just like unfortunately you can't separate it and become best buddies with your your dark self or anything dark's not even right your 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 fearful self or your like i've tried personifying uh you know ocd and stuff to try try and find ways to cope with it and uh, that's unfortunately never been a route that's really worked too well for me in my case you can't really argue with it and i want to be open about it because i know i know so many people suffer with this stuff and and growing up there's such a huge mental stigma against not sorry mental stigma a huge stigma against mental illness you know people didn't want to talk about it or they just assumed the worst or whatever so people are very like you know i think i think it's becoming better but i think for a long time people were were unable to even get help because a they didn't know what they had they just internalized it as something being wrong with yourself and then not get any help or, or, or if they go to get help, they think they'll be crazy. Like I wasn't, it wasn't until my late twenties where I even brought it up to my doctor about that because I was afraid of either judgment or, or what they would say or, or, you know, or, or I just assumed it was, it was just me. I'm the problem. So why, what's a doctor going to do? So, so let that be a message to you kids out there. If you're suffering from that stuff, get some help. Place the less first if you need to, <laughs> and then, and then, and then go get some help. But in, in, in this game, uh celeste basically at, at a certain level is it the is it right away that she splits i can't remember it, almost okay. yeah i think it's in, in in chapter one at the end right so basically the her dark self or i i think i don't know if it's officially nicknamed this but i saw it called battleline online uh -huh. which is kind of funny uh but basically it's almost like her anxieties and stuff has taken a physical shape and it's kind of the antagonist that follows you along throughout the your adventure uh, and, and, you know, she's fighting against it and hating it and all that stuff. And over time she comes to accept it and realize it's a part of herself and they, they team up, which is sweet. I would love if I could make, uh, uh, uh bad Rob <laughs> to show up and we talk and I'm like, Hey, Hey me, I'm, I'm there for you. You don't have to keep whispering, uh, insecurities in my ear all the time. Um, and, and now we can just be friends and work together, but unfortunately reality doesn't work that way and some people will suffer with with it forever and some people require medication or you know more therapy or like it's, it's different for every person so unfortunately that's the one thing i thought going through this is like it would be real nice if i could do that have that kind of catharsis with uh myself but you know a week later i'm still gonna have the anxieties i always have and there are ways to cope with it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm in a way better place now than I was a few years ago. Uh, but it's a thing that you're probably going to deal with 
for the rest of your life if you have it. And I think that's a thing that you need to be aware of. And I'm not saying the game doesn't tell you that. You're not. She doesn't destroy Battleline. It's not like there's a final epic boss fight where where you kill her and you never have anxiety ever again. But uh, you also can't communicate in a way like that. Like she has her own personality more or less and you're able to appeal to it and grow together and and i think there is some positivity in that message there is there is a little bit of like you the voices that you might hear that it is you still your own voice in the end and and most people i think who have anxiety and stuff realize that uh but pleading with it i don't know it doesn't really Mm -hmm. do anything you have to i don't know like there's a lot of different coping i've read books on it I've, i've done therapy i've done group group stuff and i've tried meditation i've tried a lot of things so i actually have a, a, an okay knowledge base of of this stuff but uh it it's gonna it's gonna vary for each person however i will say that reading some of the dialogue and stuff it's like oh i've said that to myself before and it did feel kind of nice seeing um a positive uh, outcome of 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 something like that even if it's just a fantasy game so the way i was trying to digest all of the stuff that was happening, and what, and what happens is that Madeline, she she suffers from like panic attacks yeah. and like general anxiety and stuff like that. Absolutely. And you you have a conversation with your mom early on about about it, and that's kind of like you you get some hints, right? Yeah. But as the game progresses and and you ha- and and the story starts to to unfold, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is that a part of you, this Madeline character, <laughs> comes out of you, and she sometimes takes takes over, or it. it um, tells you that you can't do what you want to do because you're not such a such and you're not worth it. Yeah. So those kinds of things, I understand them from a, from a narrative level, right? And then later on, you try to get rid of Battleline and it really doesn't work. And then you try to work together. And that's really the end of the story is that, that uh, Battleline learns how to work together with Battleline in order to yeah. overcome this super challenge which is getting to the top of the mountain and then finally when you do it when you when you accomplish that that thing that you told yourself that you couldn't do it but you you do it and you use those those bad feelings or whatever in a positive way then you can do it like i i understand that from a from a narrative yeah. point of view but because i i don't have those feelings I don't have those personal experiences. What I was trying, the, what the mecha- the mechanics of the game for me became a way to digest those kinds of things, because the game itself is pretty hard. Yeah, right. It is very hard. So it seems like it's hard for the purpose of like, so you feel that uh, that anxiety, those those um, those challenges uh, at a mental level, so that you feel them mechanically, mm. right? And I thought like, oh, that, that's kind of cool, right? Because you, it, it is pretty rewarding when you finally you try a hundred times to beat something, uh, to beat some screen or, or some of the stages, and you finally do it and it feels so good. Like, oh, you gain all this experience, you gain all this skill. And then the, the theming of going up the mountain, right? Well, it's also pretty um, adequate. And um, the learning of new mechanics, because a lot of... Uh, well, most of the chapters, they they introduce some new mechanic or, or yeah. maybe some new way to use the mechanics that you already have. Yeah, you don't really get many new mechanics for your character, but the environment introduces new mechanics pretty much every level, right? Yeah, because you, you can hold to walls 
you, you can cling to them pretty early on. Yeah. But as you progress, they mean a different thing. Like when you cling to some block of a certain type, it will start moving. Yeah. Or when you dash and there's something else happens with some other blocks that move really quickly. You know, this is something pretty cool that the game does of layering their mechanics by introducing new blocks but not new moves to, yeah, to yeah. metal line yeah it's really mm -hmm. it's a really interesting and cool way you know to to basically introduce mechanics via the environment which is of course other games do that too uh and a note i had yeah. i had a note about what you're saying about the difficulty part so so i wrote down like the difficulty is high uh, but it's still fair uh and and i think that you start to feel good as you progress so i get stressed a lot and angry when playing the game but like at certain points you start almost flowing through that screen like like water like you 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 just have you keep getting better every time and then you finally make it and even up until the point you make it you're just like what what at first was almost impossible for you to do like oh i can't make this jump or whatever you're like boom 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 and then at the end then you make it to the end and like if you watch just that playthrough you're like i'm fucking great at this game because <laughs> it looks like it because of the way the way that you're navigating through things which which is pretty pretty rewarding. I, that certainly was a thing that I realized a few times while playing it. Like, oh man, I hated the screen at first, and now I I can go right through it. And I don't know if you experienced anything like that, but that's a uh, that's how I took it a lot of the time. What I noticed is this: like, I I started collecting some of the crystal hearts to get access to the core okay. in chapter eight. I had completed some stages that were so much more difficult mm. that when you go back to chapter one. Like, all of a sudden, you can do it really quickly. And I remember when I was in Chapter 1, I was really struggling. Oh, yeah? I guess I was always struggling throughout the game. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the same amount. Yeah. Like, oh, this is so hard. This is ridiculous, right? But when you go back, and then you're so used to the difficulty ramp up. Yeah. That it didn't feel um, long at all. Right? I, get, I get exactly what you mean. I'm sure if I went back to older stages and stuff right now, I would, like breeze right through a lot of them although I, I found the library pretty confusing i got lost in that that's actually when i stopped playing it's like i don't want to go into this anymore i'm done itself is like a super midpoint right it's a like lot the of screen point, point a point b right to get you get it mm. but then it starts introducing some like metroidvania yeah you know, a little bit elements right yeah like go and collect the key and such and such so door. it starts feeling more like an adventure game a little bit or something like that uh in some parts of the game yeah i would have preferred and, to be linear to be honest with you it's already it's already hard enough that i don't need to, to want to, I don't need I shouldn't have to backtrack a bunch of screens which you do like especially I think in the maybe it's the stage right after not Golden Ridge but I think maybe the Mirror Temple that's the one with a lot of keys and jumping through areas and you have to find the right ball to push you up like I was like I was like okay I've done this area so many times that I can't figure out this one little thing and I'm just sick of it and I want to be done I think it adds a good level of variety 
but it's also weird because that's not how the game is. That's not in the mood you are. Mm. So it's not really in depth, but it's not really as straightforward as the rest of the game. Yeah. And I, yeah, I also got lost in the in some of these parts in the temple and the hotel. One thing would have fixed that. Just one little change, a map. Give me a map of the area that fills out as you explore, and I wouldn't. I would remove that complaint entirely. Yeah. There's no map, right? I'm not crazy. I, I tried finding one, and I couldn't. I didn't no, there's no map. Yeah, I think a map would have helped a lot. When you have to backtrack that much and you don't know where the hell you're going sometimes, it, it would have been nice. So please add a map. So the game has um, seven chapters, right? Yeah. From when you're starting the, the climb of the mountain until you get to the top. Those are seven chapters, I feel. And, and it, it ends up pretty nicely, right? It does, yeah. It has a, a nice ending sequence and it kind of makes sense. After that, there's uh there's chapter eight the core because you go from from the bottom of the mountain up to the top so that's yeah. it like see if if the mountain is the is your uh representation of progression then that's it that there's nothing else you could do but you could you can go in the mountain now it turns out it's like a volcano okay so so in chapter eight you can go there and that is pretty hard i didn't right? even try it. like it's much much harder and after you complete the core there is chapter nine which is which i couldn't complete because it, it's ridiculous okay but i got pretty close to i think the end of of what it will be like the side a I'll, I'll talk about that um in chapter nine if you explored all of the mountain and the insides of the mountain mm -hmm. what's left i don't know space <laughs> oh you go to, you go to space <laughs> you go to to like the moon or something what yeah, why it's like a dream, oh, dream realm. <laughs> yeah, you're like thing or something. <laughs> so in the in, in chapter nine, this it uh, spoiler alert. Okay, the old lady dies. Oh no! And you go back to so in chapter eight, you go back to the mountain like a year after. Okay, right. And then for chapter nine, I think it's maybe some time after that. Okay, and she dies, and you, but uh, you're trying to find her ghost or something like that. Sure. All right, the tracks, there's ghostness in this game, so that's not weird. So the jump in difficulty between chapter, let's say, 7 and 8 is it's much higher mm. than the rest of, uh, of the game. And the same happens from chapter 8 to 9. So I it's feel. like really brutal. It's really hard, but you see in chapter 8, it's like a volcano. So there's like fire and yeah. it's pretty intense. So the art goes with that. But chapter 9 is like a dream world and it's like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of Kirby-esque. Okay. There's like a, a lot of fantasy elements. and So what I've learned uh, about mental health through this game is that yeah. once you separate yourself for a little while so that you can communicate with it externally, uh, yeah. when you reemerge that you get a double jump ability. Pretty fucking cool. I haven't got that yet. And then eventually you can astral project into space and you can also endure the heat of the inside of a volcano. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I feel like I get the real raw end of like OCD and stuff. I should be. Where's my double jump? Why can't I astral project? I have a lot of questions about about this game right now. About or really why I can't do these things. Also, those breakthroughs they showing the color of your hair. They do. Yeah. Do you get any more after that? After uh, chapter seven? <laughs> so what happens <laughs> is that you, I I think in chapter seven you get the, the the pink hair right with a double jump. Yeah. 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 You do. I think that it becomes too powerful and I think it reduces a lot of the design space. So for chapter eight and nine, they remove it. Really? 
Oh, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of uh, weird though, because you're almost regressing at that point. Which I guess that is in reality, that's what happens all the time. So it's not too. This is what happened in chapter eight. There's some magical reason why you lose your double jump. Okay. Right. So in order to gain it, you have to collect these like um like a golden diamond, right? So you, when you collect it, your your hair changes back to red, okay. and now you gain one jump, right? Oh, so you start off with no dash, just a regular jump. Okay. No, you do have your dash, but you use it, and then that's it. Right. So you have to collect these things in order to regain it. Okay. I feel that that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it, it doesn't replenish, right? Oh, really? Yeah. So once you've used it, you yeah. have to wait until you can use it again? No, you have to collect an item. To use it again? Yeah. That's insane. You can imagine that if you want to do like a double jump, there's a bunch of like golden diamonds around. Yeah. And you have to like do some very specific jump and then... You know, collect it and then do another. Oh, okay, so in, in chapter nine, what happens is that you don't have your double jump, but then there's this new item, which is like a double pink diamond. Okay. And when you collect that, you gain your two jumps, basically. Right? I'm stupid. <laughs> I don't like it. But maybe I, I haven't played it, so maybe it's awesome. But the level design is crazy. Is it really and, cool? Um, and there's, there's interesting. And, and something that they added that's kind of bizarre in chapter nine is this jellyfish parachute okay item. that's cool yeah so there's this space jellyfish <laughs> and then you can cling to it and what happens is that now you have like gliding like the gliding thing in breath of the wild okay cool yeah so you can glide around and then you can throw it and then do some crazy jump and then grab it again you should watch some videos it's pretty amusing to, to watch that's cool though Just uh, finish this part, which is the collectibles. Yeah. The strawberries. How many did you end up getting? I got like 79. Yeah, I had like I 40 think. something when I, I, I eventually realized well, they don't actually do anything. Uh, I'm not going to pull my hair out to get most of them. If I looked at one and I could do it a couple tries and I would get it. But if not, I'm like, nope. And then I would keep on moving. Okay. So let's talk about the collectibles. There's the strawberries, which is just basically some alternate way of playing the game i guess because they're out of the way so you have to like do some like a more difficult version of it and some others are in like like in optional rooms right yeah and then there's the winged strawberry which is just a strawberry but it flies away if you use the dash yeah exactly which is just a way to find more design space and so you can create some more interesting levels um there is the cassettes did you find any yeah of the I, cassettes? I found them but yeah. i never played them I also know because I, I was going to do a B-side run once I finished uh, the site A mm. uh, chapters or versions, but I, I, I couldn't they finish just, um, chapter nine. What do they do? They just unlock a uh, reverse of the stage or something? Uh, there's No, it's just more content. Oh. The B-side and the C-side are just more difficult versions of those chapters. Okay, cool. And then uh, there's the crystal hearts. Did yeah. you find any of the I crystal found hearts? A, I found a couple of those, yeah. Yeah, those those are interesting. And what the crystal cards, uh, what what they do 
and there's one in every chapter i feel is that they unlock chapter eight yeah because when you go to chapter eight initially there's like a door with like five hearts or six of them or something like that mm -hmm. and if you have that amount of crystal hearts then you can access the core and that's why i was replaying this, the chapters right so i went up to like and I collected like five of them and then I, I went to the core and played it. Okay. And then the B side and the C sides also have crystal hearts, but uh, the normal crystal heart is, I think is blue and then the, and then there's red and then there's green mm. and those get you access to other parts of, or like the B sides of the core or some on, I think some parts of the farewell, farewell chapter, which is crazy chapter nine. And then the ultimate challenge, there's more. <laughs> and, and the one with which I have, the greatest gripe, I, and I never really tried it, is the golden strawberry. Which one? I don't remember that at all. So get this. Okay. The golden strawberry, you get it at the beginning of the chapter. Okay. And you have to complete the chapter without dying right. in order to collect it. Yeah. It's That's crazy. Good luck with that. <laughs> and it goes against like the whole purpose of the game, I feel. Yeah. Well, the game is it's trial and error until you figure it out. Once you make dying, that punishing... I don't feel the game will be enjoyable. That state and the stages are too long for that. They're way they're way too long for for to not die. Yeah. And it's so easy to to brush against a spike and be dead. That's really crazy. I mean, you'd have to be a real insane pro to be able to to do that. I and I'm sure there are people out there who can, but oh man, I don't. I would never have the patience for that. Oh, it it will be. I I I. I I don't think it will be enjoyable no, because a lot of the stages, even if you know them by by heart, like okay, so sometimes the, did you find the controls kind of finicky? Um, I thought it was pretty precise. For example, you, you were trying to dash upwards, but you will dash diagonally. Oh yeah, that, that did happen to me. Yeah, it absolutely. happened to me so so much i said and sometimes when you would get in one of the moving balls i'd have to quickly because i played with the uh d-pad for the most part for precision but whenever mm -hmm. i was in one of those balls you can't quite get that fluid movement that you need so I'd, i had to quickly shift my hand up to the analog controller to try and not uh you know hit the wall so I, there are certain levels where i had to like i always found myself switching between the d-pad and and the the joystick uh multiple times which i which i found to be very off-putting Oh, I just uh, so I find it funny. So we played Hollow Knight last time, and now we're doing Celeste. Mm -hmm. And next time we we, yep. we have Cuphead. That's three yep. really hard games in a row. So no one can question us after. We're like, oh, you guys are a bunch of weak Nintendo fanboys. Only play Kirby and Mario and RPG RPGs. Can't play a real game. Well, I've played two so far. Two real games. I don't feel much like a much better person. These games pay homage to to a lot of these games. Did you find that part where um, there's like a, a, like straight up an asset from Super Mario Brothers three? No, what what was that? <laughs> Do you know that trick in I think it's the third level in Super Mario Brothers three, mm. where there's this white block and you stand on it and you press yeah, down yeah. and you and then you fall behind it. Of course. Okay, so you find one of those blocks. Oh, really? In one in, in one level in the mount in the um in the summit i think oh okay level. cool can you pre press down on it and go behind it exactly oh that's awesome i didn't know so I you go did. behind it and then like the 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 background elements yeah it, you can collide with them and you can 
go and collect a strawberry. Oh, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. It made me smile. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. I didn't notice that one, unfortunately, but that's really cool. All right, cool. All right, so the damage system. Unfortunately, only two hearts worth of damage in, in this case uh, because there's only two of us, but basically it's a recommendation system. So we're responsible for one heart's worth of damage. So we could do like full damage, meaning you don't like it and you're not recommending it to anyone, whereas no damage means that you love it and you would recommend it to most people and then everything in between. Um, I, can, I guess I can go first. All right, I had Rob notes, but these aren't aren't woohoo's and boohoo's this time. Um, I didn't organize them like that, but I should have. Uh, it's really strange. So I want to recommend this game, and I'm going to recommend this game, of course. But like, it's funny because I quit playing it, like, not even a third of the way through. So that that doesn't bode well. But that that speaks more to my mood at the time and what I felt like playing and my general disposition about being against. Or not enjoying games that are brutally difficult. I'm too old and lazy. I want to play a lot of games. I don't want to get stuck on on one for too long. But you know, everybody loves this game. It it, has, it won awards. It's really popular. I, people, you know, we didn't talk about the music much. It has really nice music. The art style is really cool. It's very cute. Uh, the gameplay mechanic is super tight and fun. Uh, despite the difficulty, it's not. I don't think it's an unfair game. Like, yeah, there's a little hiccups here and there, like what you were mentioning earlier, and I actually agree with that that happened to me too. But you know, no game is is perfect, so you're always going to be hiccups. But uh, you know, the setting is interesting. There's fun characters. There, there is that underlining theme of of challenging yourself and of accepting negativity in yourself, which is good. I I think that. Uh, messages like that are important and not enough games addresses that i don't i don't know i didn't really see it as a huge mental health advocate game or anything until it was pointed out to me but but that doesn't mean it's not true just because i didn't didn't really pick up on that right away it doesn't mean others wouldn't have identified the entire time through so i think that it can speak to a lot of people who who might have low self-esteem or anxiety or, or stuff like that but I hope that those people are okay with losing a lot because you're probably going to die a, a bunch trying to get through the game. Um, so yeah, like I said, the difficulty is very high uh, and the game is pretty long and holy shit, there's a lot of extra content. So I guess if you're only going to get like one or two games a year, then this would be no damage because you could play this thing for a full year and you'd probably be uh, probably still have stuff to do. Um, so I would go with well, pause there for a quick second, uh, not to be dramatic or anything, but Hollow Knight is a game I kind of equate. We did that last week, and I like Hollow Knight more than Celeste, and Hollow Knight is another difficult game, another difficult and surprisingly long game, much longer than Celeste, actually, although it never felt like that to me. A at any rate, the reason why I, I, I didn't give uh, Hollow Knight no damage because of how hard it was and how, therefore, I felt it was kind of inaccessible to a lot of people and so I feel the same way about Celeste. I would recommend it to a lot of people, but it is really hard. And if you don't like that type of game, you're not going to like this type of game. So with that, I will also give it one quarter damage. So Celeste is very notable because because of you know, the story and the subject matter. So I, I admire that. And I feel and I, I read that the developers also uh, struggle with some some of these things and mm. and they were trying to reflect that on on a piece of of work right on a piece of art like this I and i appreciate that yeah. i feel I, I feel that uh, we need 
we need that. I feel that um, I I like when games are personal works, right? I feel when 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 developers make their work as a way of of expressing personal ideas. Yeah, right? yeah, I see. What you mean. So because that's that's what art is, right? In 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 the end, like it's, it's trying to make you feel something. You try to convey some uh, uh, something deep, right? You don't have to be super overt about it, right? Right. But doesn't mean you should never try. A lot of the games, because of the nature of, of video games, they're software, right? So they're hard to make. Uh, sometimes they're made by big companies and, and, and trying to just, you know, uh, make them profitable and stuff like that. And, and, and they play it safe. And, and that's that's good, right? It, AAA gaming is not going to end ever, yeah. I don't feel. So we're going to have that, right? So I'm not saying that games should be just like little indie games that are about like um, some personal stories. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, of that. course, like in every, any world, you want options. Options are the best part. Everybody's happy when there's more options. Yeah, like I want, in, like in film, I want my Marvel blockbusters yeah. to coexist with some indie film, right? With of course that doesn't have any special effects or something like that. So I think I, I feel that we need that in gaming for a long time. Uh, existed without those kinds of things. So now I, I feel that we're living in a time where AAA, I feel, is dropping the ball a little bit. And I, I'm pretty surprised how indie games are are pushing some of these platforms so much, right? Yeah. I personally feel that lately indie games have been a little bit more interesting than, than AAA games. But that's just my personal I've been playing a lot of... I've been playing a lot more indie games lately too. I understand exactly what you mean i don't get me wrong of course last time i was talking about final seven which is definitely a triple a game that i loved but I, i've been playing a lot of indie games too and, and and i remember years ago before probably right around when we started bonus Pearl, i was not playing many mm -hmm. at all but there's so many great options they're they're usually more accessible they're usually cheaper a bit shorter uh and and more creative they can take more risks and just like Celeste. I, I don't know. Like, I, I was listening to this podcast that uh, Derek from from the Carters Club he recommended. It, it's, it's a podcast called People Who Make Games. I don't know if you heard about this. It's by cool. IGN actually. No. And, okay. And um, it's just interviews with developers, right? And, and when you listen to to their stories, like personally, it really turns games into something else, right? Like their uh, what they mean to people, because you, you you have to you have to understand that that as developers we don't we don't end up in our careers making that many games, right? Because uh, a, a yeah, development no. cycle might take you know, a couple of years, three years, four years. Some, some, a bunch of them are not, are not going to get released. So at the end of your career, Another. you don't end up publishing that many games. So if if you're an indie developer and 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 you have the chance to make one, make it, you know, publish it, and then make it successful, like it's it's amazing, right? So sometimes it's a very personal thing. Anyway, that I I, I digress. Um, yeah. <laughs> in the case of Celeste, like you, you can feel that even from the beginning, like when it says a game by Matt and Noel, and you know it has the names of, of them, and I found that very endearing. So because of of those reasons, I like I have a soft spot for 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 Celeste in 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 my heart. But um, the game is fun. And I like how they use mechanics and they do a lot of really good things. But if, if I had to say something bad and I do because it's, <laughs> it's hard, but it sometimes it's not the kind of hard that is 
that is enjoyable. Sometimes there, there were some yeah. levels that was like, oh, this kind of, this is very cheap. Like I had to look to look up some other people beating, like not guides per se. Yeah. I, had I just want to yeah. look at someone beating the stage because it's so yeah. stupid, right? Absolutely. And then you absolutely. go and watch it and it's like, oh, like, I, okay fine right it's like it's, I, i'm not even like amused by how wacky it was designed it, i was just like oh this is kind of cheap like no in some others i was surprised like oh this is brilliant it feels great like i have to it's hard but it feels great and sometimes it's hard and, it, right. and you kind of feel disgusted when you when you beat it because it's like yeah i just want to like i want to forget yeah. about that level this is a recommendation system. I would recommend this game a lot to some people. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't recommend yeah. to a lot of people because it's so hard. Like, I wouldn't make Erica play this yeah. game. It's just like, like <laughs> no. Yeah, Megan would hate this game. She would not right? play this game. Only because of, she's not good at platformers in general. Like, she doesn't even like Mario that much. I could not recommend this to her. It's so hard. I understand the conundrum, like, the difficulty, the frustration. And the trying to overcome the challenge is a narrative part of the game. So I understand that conundrum. But in a different way of thinking about it, like it gets in the way of the message. So because, because our recommendation system is a, is a broad thing uh, in terms of who would recommend in general. Like if we were talking about people who are like, oh, if we recommend hard games to people, then Celeste would be no damage for the most part. Because it's a great game with a lot, of, a lot to do and all that, right? We're kind of following each other on that, that, that point. And I kind of struggle to to find people to recommend this game to. Mm. Maybe I think Lef would would like it because Lef is kind of like the yeah, kind of, of person that likes like hard game and trying and trying and trying. Um, he feels very proud about beating a, a hard game, but That's I true. can think of many other players. So for that reason, I think uh, uh, soft spot plus yeah, the, I, I, it's too hard. Maybe one quarter damage. And I think I'm I'm being pretty okay. generous, but it's just that I I like uh, this game. I, I I liked it. It's good. I also liked it, and I will say, I'm happy that you picked it and and nudged me to to play more, because I am happy I beat the the basic part of the game. I'm I'm pleased to have reached the summit. Um, and there are parts where I was like, yes, I'm good at games, and then there are many parts where I suck at. Yeah, I felt like and I some parts are, are so are so, so profound, yeah. like the the part where uh, where Theo introduces that that uh, the breathing with the with the feather. Oh yeah, yeah, I've actually thought that, that was pretty sweet, then. and it makes you feel cool. something. I'm gonna say like that it works or anything like that because I I I haven't experienced that, but it. In it, in the narrative of the game, like it made me feel like, oh, this works. You know what I mean? Like this is calming me down. Like core breathing, taking deep breaths is one of the first things recommended for people with anxiety or, or panic attacks and stuff. So it's, I never thought, of, I never heard the feather analogy before, which is actually really cool and a neat way of visualizing yeah. that. But uh, deep, deep breathing is a good way to calm your, your body down. And it's definitely things I've tried. And since playing it, I have actually visualized a feather to see if it would, I don't know, be bit easier to focus and I, and I thought it was pretty cool well, i liked it you well i was playing it i was doing it i was breathing like mm. that imagining that it was like an actual feather that i was trying to keep it in the air yeah it calms you down it's deep breathing is really really useful yeah. something i don't do enough to be honest uh so yeah that's a great great call out so maybe try the game 
yeah. yeah. We're mostly recommending it, but go in knowing that you're going to hate playing it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So that leaves us with one and a half out of two hearts, which is still pretty good, actually. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I, I, we've already spoiled it, and I'm not. That's fine. So Cuphead is next. So we, we have three hard games, but the game after it will be. Uh, well, actually, I heard it's hard too, but different. So there you go. A classic for the for the game mm-hmm. after Cuphead. So be excited? Question mark. Yeah, it's bound to be a good time. And thank you all for listening. As always, happy to be affiliated with Cartridge Club, a great place. Uh, we used to have a member, uh, the founder on is one of our hosts, but he disappeared playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> and uh, I haven't seen him since. <laughs> but I, I, if you hear this, and I doubt he listens because he's, he's playing World of Warcraft, but if you hear this, P1, we missed you and we want you to come home. Come, come join us in the real world. <laughs> Mark, Mark tell, tell Sean that we miss him and that we'd love to have him rejoin us at any time. <laughs> <laughs> tell him he can talk about World of Warcraft if he wants. We'll, we'll give him the first half of the episode and he can just talk about. It's dumb wow stories. I actually, I have, I love wow stories. All right. Well, anyways, it's already been long. So thank you for listening. This is Rob and Seiji. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs>